Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right, your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into an All-22 podcast. You got Chris and Ray back again. The crew is back together. Ray, how was, uh, how was Canada? Uh, it's actually colder up there than it is down here, which is like expected. Had a lot of good food though, which is, which is good. Um, other than that, the rest of the trip is confidential. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But like, no, poutine, just kidding. how was the food? No, no, no. That's the other side of Canada. There's no poutine here. It's just, oh. you know, just Italian food, a little food tour, uh, you know, taste of a lot of different countries. It was, it was actually really nice. It was, it was really, it was really nice, really good stuff. Uh, did miss most of the Thursday night, uh, game, you know, flying back and all that good stuff. So, um, didn't watch as much football as I wanted to during the week, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it seems like I missed a, a, a good Justin Fields game or just a monster DJ Moore game. So there's that, but, uh, yeah, it's good to be on this side of, of the, of the border though, you know, the fun Absolutely. side. Yeah, no. And you were missed, man. You were missed. It's, uh, not that fun doing a solo episode. I'll tell you that. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you're you're solo. There's, there's nobody to talk back. Give you attitudes, you know. It's great. It's great. <laughs> I like the solo. What you're making, man. <laughs> I like the abuse. But all right, let's uh, let's jump into it today. I wanted to look at how some of our kind of preseason QB rankings are changing now that we're you know we've seen some of the season. Our rankings that we do in the preseason are for dynasty, right? So a lot of a lot of things are determined by age. Uh, experience, things like that. Rookies might be a little higher than, you know, in traditional leagues. Um, But then, you know, a guy like Russell Wilson might be a little lower just because of the age, right? So that's kind of how we do our rankings. But now that we've seen five games, there are a few players that have kind of stepped up and exceeded expectations. Some guys doing the opposite, right? So I want to talk about how maybe we would change our thoughts if we were to do it again, but also you know, looking at the the outlook, you and I might have some different opinions as well. So let's get into that. And I want to start with Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson. Those three guys were top 10 ranked players for us in the preseason. So Trevor Lawrence was ranked fifth. Right now he's uh, third, you know, 24-year-old guy in his third season. He's kind of had this consistent upward traje- trajectory with a f- 59.6 grade as a rookie, 78.6 last year. But this year, through the first five games again, 85.6. So really just that steady increase. And he kind of looks like a new man under Doug Peterson, right? It took him a little while last year to get started. But once he got comfortable in that system, he's looked great. So um, this year, right, played the Chiefs really strong in week two, but lost that game. But then, you know, the Bills come to London, meet him in London. He gets another big win. My dog jumping on the bed. I love that. Get down. Anyway, so um, 11 big-time throws, that's tied for second best, fourth best in uh, big-time throw rate, middle of the pack with turnovers, but his adjusted completion percentage is really high. 2.51 second time to throw is pretty good, 7.6 A dot. That's kind of like the one knock. That's 25th, um, and then 3-2 and two on the season so far. So Trevor Lawrence, that's kind of his summary. What are you thinking of Lawrence so far this early season? 
Yeah. So, so Trevor Lawrence, uh, honestly, he's, he's continued to just creep up my, my list. I kind of did a re-ranking of, of all the quarterbacks, not one through 32. Cause that's just, that's just crazy and, and gives me a headache, but, uh, just in kind of looking at him versus a lot of the other quarterbacks that we sort of group into that top six to eight range, like, uh, like a Herbert, perhaps like a Jackson and others there. He's just consistently played well and played better. He's constantly improving and he is still young. You mentioned all those good metrics. So I have Trevor Lawrence as my next guy up after Mahomes and Burrow. So Trevor Lawrence is third for me, given his age, given his performance to date, how he's assimilated into that system and how he continues to improve basically along with that Jacksonville team and roster as a whole. I see no reason or I can't point to anything that knocks him down below three. And, you know, we've, we've talked about, or going to get into maybe some of the, the woes of Josh Allen, some of his turnover where he plays, he's obviously got an incredibly high ceiling and, and peaks, but also has some pretty low valleys as well and puts the ball in danger. Whereas Lawrence is a bit more steady and consistent while still giving you a really high level of play. So to me, Trevor Lawrence is my number three quarterback overall. That's probably for both dynasty and if we're just talking for the 2023 season. Wow. So I was prepared to discuss like Lawrence Herbert and Lamar, but you moving Lawrence above Allen, it's kind of madness to me. I think Allen this year is our second highest scoring quarterback in all 22. Got an 89 PFF grade, 10 big time throws, six turnover worthy plays, which is the same as Trevor Lawrence. He just has one less big time throw, but all of his other metrics are, a little bit better, 8.7 a dot, which is a yard more than uh, Lawrence. And, you know, like I think him losing to Lawrence in uh, in London means nothing to me. Laura, you know, like Jacksonville was there for two weeks. That makes a big difference. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not that guy that's like, you beat this guy, so you're better than this guy. Um, if anything, I would have thought you'd come to this episode and say maybe he's you'd have him higher than Burrow. But I think because of the Burrow injury, that's not really a fair argument either. Um, but that that's surprising to me. It's it's the consistency, it's the steadiness, right? So if you if you just go week to week and look at the cluster of of grades you have here, right? And again, it's not that Allen's bad or anything, right? Like I have Allen four, so like you know, <laughs> I'm still saying he's a top four quarterback, right? But if you're just going sort of week to week, right? Eighty six point three, sixty nine point eight, eighty three point three, seventy point six, seventy five point eight. Everything there is. 70s and 80s, right? You have a 69 point something in there, right? That's basically a 70, right? Whereas Allen, you do have a bit more variance. Yes, the highs are really high, but he's got a 49.6 grade week one. You could say week one, yeah, whatever, but that's that's really bad. And that is kind of what we've seen from Allen from time to time. So he's got the higher highs, but every now and again, he'll give you that stinker where he puts the ball in harm's way and that can cost you a week. Uh, Lawrence is just more steady to me. He's younger. I, I I like his style of play. He just he continues to ascend. Where I think we've seen Allen's peak, and obviously it's a super high peak. It's not that it's, it's a bad thing that he's already peaked, but Lawrence is still on the upswing while giving you a, a steadier uh, deviation or range of outcomes in play. Here, I'm going with him. Uh, it's yeah. The the week one forty nine point six terrible. But 82.7, 82.3, 91.1, 91.5 since then. Talk about consistency. To me, that's pretty consistent. I definitely agree there's a concern that his one awful game was against really the one good defense he faced. 
So, um, you know, definitely something to keep an eye on as we continue through the season. What does he look like against those better defenses? Um, but okay. there's not many good defenses on that schedule, by the way, either. If you kind of go down the list, I mean, he's got what the, the Giants next. New England is is kind of teetering. They lost Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay is okay. It, really, I mean, he's he's got uh, Philadelphia in, in about a month and a half or so, and then maybe Dallas. Uh, later on in the year but other than that there, there aren't many tough defenses too so that is something you could look at and go hey i think i think we're going to have more of the, the the peaks than the valleys so to speak with someone like Allen, and maybe we are seeing you know a lot more of those mid 80s low 90s types of types of performances from him where he will finish above a lawrence i, I could see that based on just a, a quick glance at the schedule so yeah not not knocking it either way i could totally see why you'd have him yeah uh, above there but you know, Lawrence has a really easy schedule continuing forward too. So like a lot of winnable games for Lawrence as well. But let's jump into Herbert, right? So he was fourth on our list. He's currently kind of in that 10 to 15 range. He had his bye week. So his, his ranking is a little skewed right now. So I'd say if he had played five games, he'd probably be between 10 and 15. He's another 25 year old guy in his fourth season. He's been, you talk about consistency. He has been that model of consistency. He had an 80 grade as a rookie. 90 as a sophomore, 77.9 last year, but he had that rib injury. He was missing his left tackle. And then this year, 76.1, but he's got like that new offensive coordinator. It's a new offense. Might take some time, kind of like we talked about Lawrence with Peterson. Might take time for him to get comfortable. But all of his metrics are pretty good, right? 9.1 average depth of target. It's good for sixth amongst all quarterbacks. That's really great. Um, His big-time throw rate versus turnover-worthy play, that's a little bit concerning. He only has seven big-time throws, six turnover-worthy plays. He definitely needs to improve there. A guy with his arm, you'd expect him to do better in that regard. Um, 75.5 adjusted completion percentage is good. 2.64 time to throw is really good. But they're two and two, right? So like they're sitting at two and two, hasn't won a lot of games. And he actually has a very hard remaining schedule. But again, we're talking about his outlook for the rest of his career. Um, so, you know, again, I think in the offseason, you and I debated Lawrence and Herbert just kind of like on the side a few times. And I really do think that's still the debate. Because I was the one that probably pushed Herbert for four, Lawrence five. Now I think there's definitely a debate to be had whether going forward, right? Is it Lawrence over Herbert or is it Herbert over Lawrence? Um, the 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 right now what Lawrence is doing is definitely better, right? I think there's there's no mistake to be made there. Lawrence is the better quarterback this season, uh, but it's about the outlook. How do we see the, that outlook? I think one thing with Jacksonville is the it's kind of hard to get guys to want to go there, right? Like whenever they have to get, go and get a free agent, they overpay for those free agents to get them to come. Um, that that team is built well right now, but how does it continue to be built? Um, that defense isn't the best. They keep investing high draft picks in it. It's not getting that much better. At what point is this Jacksonville team like a, a legit contender? And I think that's going to always be kind of the knock on Lawrence is, will his team ever really compete? Will he be one of those te- those quarterbacks that can take his team deep into the playoffs? Herbert now. Coaching situation, if they keep losing games, will change, right? This is the the fourth year they've been together. There's been rumors already about uh, the coach getting uh, fired there, Brandon Staley. I think if they do not make the playoffs or at least do not go deep into the playoffs, there definitely will be a coaching change. Will it be Kellen Moore that steps up and becomes the head coach? I don't know, but there will be a coaching change. And I don't think that's great for Herbert either, right? We're talking about consistency. It's really hard to be consistent with coaching staff that's consistently changing and then besides that it's it's the weapons around him right his best receiver keenan allen is getting getting up there in age he's like a 31 year old receiver he's probably done in a year or two if not sooner 
And then you have Mike Williams, who's dealing with these injuries, and Quentin Johnston, who they've drafted this year, isn't really showing much to be excited about at this point. So what does the future look like for Herbert, too? It's like, I don't really feel like super great about either of their team's outlooks. Yeah, I mean, we 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 talked about Johnston a lot pre-draft and post-draft about how you know, we're unsure how that that one could turn out, and right now he hasn't shown too much, uh, especially compared to some of the other rookie receivers in the class so far. But there's there's so much uncertainty with with the Chargers that it's it's tough for me to get excited about what's going to be around Herbert. You talk about a new offensive coordinator. That's great. But if they're changing the head coach, is that offensive coordinator sticking around for year two? Is he going to have to learn another system in 2024? That's the first thing. Keenan Allen is 31 years old for the third year in a row. So he's not going to be there too much longer. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, the Mike Williams ACL injury. Now he's out. We talked about how the Chargers are shoring up the offensive line around him, but it seems like everything else is just falling apart. And it's the Chargers. It's not necessarily like the greatest organization in the league either, where you just kind of put some blind faith in them, like uh, you know someone like the Ravens or something, and things are just going to work out. I, I'm, I, I, it's tough for me to get excited about Herbert, so I do have him down the list. Obviously, you mentioned the Lawrence and Herbert debate. We talked about how I have Lawrence, Lawrence at three, so obviously I have him above Herbert. But to me, it, it, it the debate is really about whether. I'm taking Herbert over someone like Tua or Lamar Jackson. I think that's kind of where the debate is to be had for that like five, six, seven range, because I like Herbert, even his performances while not great and, and not outstanding thus far, which again, new system and injuries around him and such he's been consistent. So it's not him. It's not his performance or his capability. It's just, will he have the environment around him that allows him to have those game-breaking or weak-winning type of performances that take you from a 78 to an 88 to a 92 because of what's around him and, and you know, those explosive plays that come from that. I don't see it, or at least I don't see the path forward or the certainty of that heading into next year and beyond because of all the turnover that's going to take place, not just personnel-wise, but also on the coaching staff. Uh, that's certainly possible. So he's he's fallen down my list. I would have him... Uh, honestly, probably around seven or eight. So he was borderline top top four before the season and just the way things are shaking out. And not much of it is his fault, but I got him down the list. You talked about winning big games. So I want to move on to Lamar and kind of, because I think it speaks to him as well. So he was our seventh ranked quarterback at the beginning of the year. He's now at fifth, 26.8, sorry, 26 years old, uh, but he's going to be 27 soon. He's in his sixth season. And he's had a very up and down career so far, right? Had an amazing grade as a sophomore with a 90.1, then two declining years directly after 79 grade and then a 70 grade before picking back up the last two seasons with an 85.2. And then this year, right, 89.3. He only played 12 games in 2021 and 2022. Lawrence and Herbert haven't missed a game over that time at all, right? So that's definitely the concern with Lamar as well. Um, It's exciting to see that, you know, uh, Lamar's performance has picked up under new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. Uh, we've seen, you know, again, we talked about changing offenses, how it's difficult. Lamar seems to be doing great in that environment. He has nine big time throws, which is tied for sixth. So, you know, you talk about Lamar being a pocket passer. Can, can he do those things? He absolutely can. But he also has seven turnover worthy plays. It's tied for fifth most. So that's a lot. Um, he has a respectable 8.3 A dot, tied for 13th. And then his 2.99. Uh, second time to throw 
is the best of his career. So that's really exciting to see as well. Um, besides that, he has 5.4 yards per rushing attempt with four touchdowns with his legs. So, you know, we know that he offers that. But I wanted to really concentrate on him as the pocket passer because I think this year we're seeing that, you know, it's kind of a new Lamar. 2.99 second uh, time to throw is is great for him. You know, these running quarterbacks typically wait three seconds to throw the ball. He's getting it just under that, which is exciting. But you talked about winning big games. Lawrence, Herbert, Lamar, none of them have won a big game yet, right? And in my mind, that's really what separates them from guys like Mahomes, Burrow, and Josh Allen. Even though, again, Burrow is struggling this year with his injury, and he hasn't always been this like top-performing quarterback, but he has won big games, and he continues to do that. We haven't seen that with Lawrence. We haven't seen that with Herbert. We haven't seen that with Lamar. In my mind, Lamar's environment of these three quarterbacks is probably the best, probably has the best coaching staff. Um, you know, they've they've essentially built the offense around him, and then they've changed it to kind of update what they think he should be, and we're seeing that be positive. I think it's a very well-run organization in Baltimore. So I think that kind of elevates Lamar into this conversation, even though he hasn't played a full season in a few years. And although he is this running style quarterback that may deal with injuries, I think he he's elevated into this conversation because he's doing well right now and because of that coaching staff. I need to see Lamar be a little more consistent. Right now he's doing he's he's doing his job. If this pace keeps up through week 10, week 12, and we haven't gotten the, you know, the, the knee sprain and, 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 and the ankle pull or whatever else, and he stays on the field with this level of play, he can really ascend. The two things with Lamar have always been health and just consistency, right? He, he similar to, to Josh Allen, kind of puts up a stinker game every now and again. And part of that was because of, the environment around him too. It's not like he's had great weapons outside of Mark Andrews for most of his career. Um, so it, it, it's kind of that boomer bust style offense that he's been in with the downfield throws. And then obviously the threat of his legs uh, up until this year. So with a new system, obviously we're seeing a bit of a metamorphosis into some more steady type of play down to down. I just want to see that continue and see if he continues to evolve in that because little slow start in week one against Houston, right? Which that's, you would, would not expect that against Houston, but again, week one, new system, get it. And he's just kind of been consistently in the seventies and then had a huge game against uh, Pittsburgh this past week. You just want to see a bit more of that because I've been here before where Lamar has a good stretch over a month. You get excited. And then the next game he fumbles twice, throws a pick or has another turnover where they throw puts up a nice 58.5 grade for you and you lose your week because of it while you have Trevor Lawrence on your bench, who put it up like a 78. So um, there's still that, but I, I want to see that consistency from Lamar moving forward here. I think we've seen the highs. You've kind of mentioned it right with some of those metrics, but that big time throw rate for him, he's got the third best uh, big time throw percentage of all quarterbacks in the league right now at 5.9%. So He's he's showing you the ceiling, the flashes of what he can do through the air, not just on the ground. Now it's just a matter of is his assimilation into this offense smooth enough to where down to down. We are eliminating a lot of the lows that we saw from Lamar's game uh, every now and again throughout his previous, what, four or five years of his career. If that consistency pans out and shows, 
who's to say he can't ascend above someone like a Josh Allen or, or be in that conversation for three with, with Lawrence and Allen. I think, I think that's totally legitimate, but I got to see more of it because I've had this guy since our inaugural league over four years ago now, and it's a roller coaster. Okay. So I'm going to do my ranking first. You've kind of already given us a little bit of yours, but I feel, I still think Herbert is my one of this group of players. So Herbert having that 90 season as a sophomore shows me that he's capable of it and doing it over a, a season, right? I don't think any of these other quarterbacks have done that besides Lamar. Lamar did that, but he but he's not staying healthy, right? And that's kind of the biggest thing for him, right? I need the best ability is availability. So I need my guy to be on the field. And like you said, when he can't have those clunker weeks. Herbert doesn't do that. So Herbert to me is still that number one. Lawrence I have as the number two. I think Lawrence's trajectory upwards and his ability to stay on the field is exciting, but I want to see him do it over a complete season. And Lamar, I need him to finish a season, right? I need him to be able to play 17 games before I trust my team with him. So that's why I have him as my third of this group. So I would say Herbert is still my four. I still have him at four. I think Lawrence has moved into that five spot. And I think Lamar probably has moved into that six spot above a guy like Jalen Hurts who I don't want to discuss today because I think that would just open a whole can of worms that we're not prepared for. But let's move to the next argument, which is unless you had, unless you wanted to do your rankings. Yeah. But I think it's, if I heard you correct, it's Lawrence Herbert Jackson. I know it's Lawrence Jackson Herbert uh, between the three. And so I have Lawrence overall three. I have Jackson overall five. He's in that five, six range for me, but I have Jackson five overall. And then I have Herbert seven. And then at six, I have Tua. I don't know if you want to talk about that. I know you're a big Tua guy, but I have Tua yeah. at six. Um, I do. I do want to talk yeah. about that. But real quick, the reason I want to talk about that is because we had Dak at eight at the beginning of the season, and he's now playing at the 15th level. Tua, we had at 10th. He's now playing at sixth. So tell me why you have him at six. Yeah, the, the lingering concern there is always just what's going to happen if he gets hit the wrong way again if he gets injured right if he gets concussed what's 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 going to happen there is he going to be out for a long time is he going to be out for for a season what does that look like he's got the 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 history there with with head injuries and his last two performances haven't been great right also wasn't asked to do too too much at least against um against the giants really but i i just think overall that environment that offense around him is just so much better than someone like, like Dak, which, you know, we'll, we'll get into a rant in a bit if we shift the focus over to Dak, but two is just, he's a, he's a solid quarterback in a fantastic offense. He's got, uh, you know, he had a great 81.9 grade overall in 2022, 2023 is on pace for 84 right now has two huge weeks. And then again, two sort of soft weeks. You kind of want to see that improve against Buffalo and New York, but the the upside is there. And if you're comparing it to someone like Dak, where he's got the same type of roller coaster of, of performances, but the supporting cast and just overall competency of the situation between the staff and organization around him, is just not nearly as good as it is in Miami. I'm giving two of the edge with, of course, you know, holding my breath about an injury, but I can't, I can't play scared. So I gotta, I gotta put two, a. Uh, uh, above someone like Dak and based on sort of the, the range of outcomes of performances there, I have him. Yeah. Six, because I'd like his situation moving forward more than someone like a, like a Justin Herbert, but I could totally see the argument for Herbert over him as well. 
Yeah, two is super interesting, right? He came into the league with one of the most difficult situations like we've probably ever seen for a quarterback. He had a head coach that basically outwardly said he didn't like Tua. He had one of the worst offensive lines we've seen in the history of PFF. And he had one of the worst receiver groups that, you know, you could ask for. So a quarterback that relies on timing was coming from Alabama with like essentially the best receiving group you could have in college football. He was going to Miami in a terrible situation. And he had that hip injury in college, right? So he was coming off of that, in, coming into the NFL. And then he had the concussions once he got here, right? He's never played more than 13 games. Um, but now they bring in McDaniels, they've drafted Waddle, they signed Taron Armstead, and they trade for Tyree Kill. And all of a sudden that offense looks insane, right? It looks absolutely insane. Um, right now he is fourth in big time throws with 10. He has six turnover worthy plays, 8.2 average depth of target. And the reason that 8.2, which is 16th in the league, but why that's so interesting is because he's getting the ball out of his hands in 2.3 seconds, which is first in the NFL. So to be able to get the ball out of your hands that quickly, but also that deep down the field kind of shows the speed that they have on that offense, right? Guys are getting down the field in that amount of time and he's able to make quick decisions. It's that offense is incredible, right? It's built to his strength, which is to get the ball out of his hands quickly and to go through process quickly and make smart decisions. And that's what two is great at. Um, the thing that still worries me is that that offensive line isn't great yet, right? I think McDaniels is essentially putting a pig in a dress. Like he's, he's really getting the best out of that group right now. They're seventh in pass blocking, but it's not a good group. And Taron Armstead has been injured consistently. He plays essentially half the games. Um, and what is it going to look like when, 30-year-old Tyreek Hill starts to decline. When Taron Armstead says, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. What does that offense look like? You know, when you talk about a consistent situation, it's it's typically with offensive linemen, right? Like that's the base that you want to see. You could always add a receiver to help things, you know, proceed forward. But the offensive line, if you don't have a stable offensive line, you're going to have issues. That's, my, that's still my biggest concern for Tua. This year watching his film, he looks like a different quarterback, the way he moves the pocket, the way he manipulates the pocket and is able to scramble. I think we talked about that a few episodes ago, but I think that that will help keep him healthy. But you need the offensive line. And I'm definitely thinking Tua this year, maybe next year is still one of these top guys. But what happens to him when, Tyre again, Tyreek retires, Armstead retires, and it's a totally different situation. You can't just keep trading your first round picks for Jalen Ramsey and Bradley Chubb, right? Eventually that's going to, that's going to hurt a guy like Tua who still doesn't have the offensive line in front of him. It is. It's, it's certainly a concern, but um, maybe that's me putting some blind faith in Mike McDaniel because I think he's just that good, and he's made it work thus far. Like The offensive line is not good, and it's working. So if the mm -hmm. offensive line is still not good in the future, I think he still make it work. Um, yeah. They got time to figure out receiver a little bit. Still got Waddle there. Um they have time, I guess. In other words, whereas someone like, like Dak, they, they've they've and and it's not necessarily Dak's fault, right? The organization as a whole has messed around with their time, and they have not used their time well. I mean, I could go in so many different directions with this, right? But just going back to twenty twenty one, right? Uh, Dak Prescott was was without a doubt a top eight quarterback, a top eight performer in twenty twenty one overall. He had. Uh, the receiving core then of uh, Amari Cooper, 
uh, CD Lamb and and Michael Gallup kind of had that trio with a solid offensive line. wasn't as good as uh, what you know their reputation was back in the mid uh, 2010s, uh, later in Romo's career, early in Dax, but still a solid offensive line with with a good situation around him. And he put up again uh, an 85.2 season in 2020 that was cut shorter than 83.8 in 2021. He was firmly in the top eight, you know, uh, conversation, and and really there was no debate about it. And then last year, hit and miss, some turnovers, uh, some bad turnover l- luck as well. And then this year, just kind of sliding, right? Had one big game against New England, uh, a couple solid games to start the year against the New York teams, and then two stinkers against Arizona and the Niners. And really, it just goes back to that organization. We're talking about situation around quarterbacks. They traded Amari Cooper for nothing uh, because they just didn't like, they meaning the Joneses just didn't like him. And then they've re-signed an injured Michael Gallup, who was ineffective completely throughout the 2022 season because he was recovering from a December 2021 ACL tear. And then they they go ahead and they signed Brandon Cooks this past offseason, which okay, great, good quality player. But you're now signing two guys, spending more money on two guys than just the one guy who was better than them both anyway. And I don't think it's a coincidence and this could be a huge rabbit hole for another episode, but it's not a coincidence that their top choice at head coach a couple years ago was the guy who was unemployed, who was out of the game for a year and did not have two or three other suitors banging on his door to give him a head coaching job who did not have the leverage. Who's not going to rock the boat. The Joneses just don't like that. They like things done their way. And quite frankly, their way is a joke and it's not good enough and it gets in the way. And that's why they've wasted some Hall of Fame careers uh, throughout the last two decades of guys like DeMarcus Ware, Jason Wynn. We can go down the list, but I don't have faith in that organization to put pieces around Dak Prescott to be successful. It's not a good, it's really not a good offensive coaching situation as well. He's really fallen from that top eight to that top 14 or 15 which is sad because we've seen that that peak where this is a top eight capable quarterback, but the environment around him is just not good. The offensive line is banged up. They have one great receiver in CeeDee Lamb, and then an aging Brandon Cooks is is really what you have to call it right now, and a Michael Gallup who's just, just a guy, really. So that situation has crumbled around him. The organization is not really functioning all that well. They draft well, but other than that, they're not very well managed. And we're starting to see that. We're starting to see the results of that. So Dak Prescott is is firmly out of the top 10 when really, if he had competent people around him, he should be firmly in it. I, yeah, I agree with all of what you said. I think the only thing I'll kind of disagree with is that they don't put pieces around him to be successful. Um, you know, I think the receiving group is pretty good. Yes, they shouldn't, they shouldn't have gotten rid of Amari Cooper. Like they've made some weird transition, uh, transactions, but the receiving group is still good. And then the offensive line is good. Right. And like, whenever they have a weakness, it's like, boom, Tyler Smith, we're just going to go and draft him. And he's going to be an absolute stud in year two. It's like, they've done that consistently for Dak where the pieces are there. And it's kind of funny because Jerry Jones, the GM like, yes, he he does some things that make you scratch your head. He likes shiny things, but he takes really good players, right? Like, Michael Parsons is a superstar. Uh, you know, uh, Tyler Smith, again, he's doing great. Dak is good. They, they've drafted good receivers. CeeDee Lamb is good. Like, they, they hit a lot. Like, their hit rate in early rounds is fantastic. 
And that's like an issue I have with the Packers. So maybe that's just me with those like, you know, like jealous eyes. It's like it's our the early other side of the coin. Awful. Yeah. Like our, our yeah. early rounds are so bad, but we always find guys later. And I feel like maybe it's switched with Dallas, but I want a team that can find superstars. I feel like they've done a really good job of that with da- for, for Dallas, uh, for Dak. But it's the head coaching job that to me is is so frustrating because I think I think Dak is not talented like Herbert is or Lawrence is where he has all of the natural skills to be that good without great offensive play calling. Like Tua has McDaniels, uh, Brock Purdy has Shanahan, right? Like those are situations where most NFL quarterbacks would look good in those situations. I think Tua looks fantastic. Like he's good in a good situation. I think Dak is good in a bad situation whereas like a a Lawrence and a Herbert are great in a in like an average situation but I think Dak's situation is really holding him back I think if he had a competent coach we would see him in this top 10 and I feel really good about him being there but I don't see that right he's already 30 years old and if they move on from McDaniels again like what comes next like is it really going to be better what does that situation look like I really don't know and with that it's kind of Along the same lines, it's like Dak then becomes a 32-year-old quarterback finally getting maybe the coach that he needs. And is there anything left in the tank, right? Like he's a guy that's been kind of beat up too. Like he doesn't have this like fully healthy repertoire where he's played every game of every uh, every year. Like he's he's battled injuries throughout his career. Is he going to be that guy that lasts till he's 36 years old? Like I don't know. I don't know if there's that longevity to keep him in that top 10 situation when you're talking about dynasty fantasy football, especially all 22. Yeah, it's 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 from the top down in Dallas, where the, the 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 organization as a whole just does not operate well. And yes, they draft good players in spots because Will McClay is phenomenal at his job. You look at their first round picks over the last decade plus; they have maybe two misses out of like their last like twelve to fourteen picks. It's it, it is phenomenal, but. The, 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 these coaches they hire to just stay under their thumb and it just doesn't work out. Jason Garrett, I mean, was there forever producing mediocre results and constantly underachieving. Aaron Rodgers ran Mike McCarthy out of Green Bay because he was sick and tired of an offense that was, you know, basically outdated by the mid aughts, won one Super Bowl in spite of that. And and said, this guy's no good. Get him out of here. He was out of football. And then the Joneses turned around like, yeah, this is our guy. This is the one we want. Like, what are we doing here? And um, the other thing is, too, while the offensive line on paper is great, it has not been healthy. I think all five starters have played for a total of about a quarter and a half this season. You had Tyron Smith injured. Zach Martin missed a couple games, has an ankle injury. Uh, Terrence Steele's coming off an ACL tear from last season is not quite himself, and I think that really uh, came to roost during the uh, San Francisco game this past week. So, the line around him is not as good either. It's it's just a bad situation with no way out. It's just one of those things where they're going to have some great games coming up, right? Because that's what Dallas does. When they play a team that is tier three, tier four in the NFL, they get, a, they get ahead and that defense just annihilates them, wipes the floor with them. You look at the final score and you go, wow, Dallas is four or five scores better than this team. They're a top team in the country, in, in the league. Then they get hit in the mouth and... They just kind of take on the the attitude and personality of their owner. And they just they kind of fold because they're all about flash and not about substance. It's just it's just one of those things. It's a poorly run organization that kind of permeates throughout the rest of that roster. We talk about how organizations 
um, really impact the career trajectory of young players and how oftentimes it's not necessarily the quarterback or the player himself that is solely responsible for a career not turning out the way they want. It's kind of that same in Dallas. It's just they always they always keep the floor high enough to let you think that that breakout is coming and it never really does or it never really sustains. So I, I can't trust it. Maybe if 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 you know there's a coaching change after the season and they they get some competency in there on the offensive side of the ball and maybe turn things around, you have a two year, two or three year window with Dak um, where things are humming along. But I don't have faith in it anymore. You just you, you're just sick of the Cowboys just kind of getting there and then not really taking that next step. And it's starting to impact Dak's game down to down. He is not trusting his receivers. And if we had a three-hour episode, we could we could take specific plays where in critical downs, you're just wondering what is the concept? What are they trying to accomplish with this play call? It really is 1998 play calling, and they just call it the Texas Coast offense. And think that because it's a clever name that I don't know, it's it's like up with the times, and it's just not. It's just a bad operation. Yeah, it really is. But okay, what is? where do you rank Dak? Where do you rank Tua? So I have Tua 6, and I have Dak at 13th. Oof, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so so Tua, I think, is right after Lamar for me. I think the injury thing is is kind of this like for both of them. Like, I have the same concern. But Lamar's is more, you know, maybe he hurts his leg. Tua hurting his head could end his career. So that's more of a concern for me. That's literally the only differentiator for me at this point between the two. And then Dak, yeah, I think he's somewhere around that 12, 13 point at this at this time, just because we're seeing other guys step up and do really well. And I wanted to talk about that, but I think we're going to have to do a part two of this episode because I know you have to run, but we need to talk about Purdy. We need to talk about Stroud. We need to talk about Goff. You want to do it? To- I, I can move some things around. I talk to my people. We can keep going. It's up to you, man. You ready? Let's do it. Let's, let, let, let's do it. I talk, right, I talk so- to my people already. Let's start with Purdy. So I know you're not a Purdy guy. And that's why I was really excited for this part of the episode. Purdy was 31st ranked quarterback, right? He had a very short window of playing time last year, got hurt. We weren't sure if he was even going to come back and be the starter there in San Francisco. Right now he's playing at the seventh best in all 22. He's 23 years old and he's in Shanahan's offense. He's considered, considering he's never lost a game that he's finished as an NFL player. I'd say that's a pretty fantastic start, right? 77.7 77.7 grade last year, 78.4 so far this year. He's got seven big-time throws, which is tied for 12th. And then he's got five turnover-worthy plays, which is fifth fewest. He has an eight-yard uh, depth of target, which is about 20th. And then uh, an ad- adjusted completion percentage of 81, which is actually good for fourth. Uh, time for f- time to throw is 2.4 seconds. Uh, he's, yeah, like... He's been good, right? I think he's, there's no doubt he's exceeded expectations. It's just at what point do we say, this is what he is and this is where he is. Like, I think at this point, there's a conversation to be made. Do we take him over Dak? I have him over Dak right now. I, I do. It's, it's, and it's purely situation. If you flip the situations, Brock Purdy probably wouldn't even be a starter. Um, but you don't flip the situations. Brock Purdy has Kyle Shanahan and Dak Prescott has a retread. And, and that really is the difference when, I mean, it, it was on clear display uh, on, on Sunday night. It couldn't be any clearer to any neutral observer watching this, who, who doesn't just, you know, take cues from ESPN and skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith or whatever. Right. But uh, I have Brock Purdy just outside the top 10 at 11, just behind Bryce young. And like I said, I have Dak at 13th and 
it, it's one of those things where, again, I think if you separated Purdy from Shanahan, I think you would see a huge drop off. But at the same time, he is getting better. He had like one big time throw through like seven games last year. He's got seven so far already. Uh, so he is evolving within that system and improving in his own right. And he's young and he seems to have really sort of grabbed a hold of that job. There is no um, whisper or concern or one eye on, hey, is Trey Lance going to ascend and take the starting role? That's gone. Trey Lance is gone. Sam Darnold is firmly entrenched as the backup. There's There's no question about who's the guy in San Francisco right now. And he is just playing within that offense. It, it, to, in my opinion, a better extent than Jimmy G ever did. And so if, if it stays like this, if it sticks around, why, why just keep him down the list? Just because I think if he were in a different situation, he wouldn't do as well. Well, he's not in a different situation. He is with Shanahan. He is in this offense. He is playing well. He is taking care of the ball and isn't asked to put it in harm's way or isn't needed to put it in harm's way in order to, you know, carry the team to victory. So it's a great situation and he's a young player. I've, I've got him just outside of the top 10 and he can even move up a little further too. If, if this continues, of course, I still have doubts about the ceiling and the, the, the overall talent level. Right. But that's not, that's, that's not a concern right now as we've seen this play out. Wow. All right. I was thinking I would have to debate you a little bit harder than that, Ray. I'm, I'm, Excited to hear that you've kind of heard the bells ringing. But uh, yeah, like Purdy's looked great. Uh, I think, you know, one thing that I talk about is the three-year window. Like when you're talking about dynasty fantasy football, I think it's very difficult to look beyond three years. And I don't think you should. Like, I don't think that's a strategy people should have. Purdy, Purdy being 23 years old, three years, he'll be 26, doesn't matter. That's not going to impact him. But what might impact him is when 36-year-old Trent Williams decides to hang it up. Or Christian McCaffrey, right, being 25, 26-year-old running back decides to hang it up. And George Kittle being a 29-year-old tight end decides to hang it up. Use check, right? Like a lot of those offensive weapons that are considered top two or three at their position decide to hang it up. What happens to the situation? I think Shanahan is one of those guys like McDaniels. He'll always find a way to make it work. But watching the game against the Cowboys, there, do you know how many tackles can do what Trent Williams did to Micah Parsons? I think one, and I think it's Trent Williams. I don't think there's another tackle that can neutralize Michael Parsons. So what happens when you're having those games and Michael Parsons is attacking you? I do think it looks a little bit different. Right. They completed a slant route to Kyle Juszczyk for a first out, the fullback. They completed a fullback slant. There's there's nothing Shanahan can't do. I, I don't care who's there. If he can complete third down passes to fullbacks. I'm not concerned with who the personnel is going to be in three years. Who's going to be catching that pass in three years. It's he, he made it work with a fullback out wide. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not concerned. Yes. I think the one thing that people do overlook a little bit is that on an individual level, that offensive line outside of Trent Williams, isn't really that great. They haven't performed that well, but because of the system in the offense and, and the, the, the schemed up open passes, Purdy doesn't need to hold on the ball that long and they can still execute at a high level. So obviously Trent Williams will be a loss whenever that time comes, but he's already scheming around less than desirable offensive line play and making it work. And so they've got time to address it. 
some organizations and maybe maybe this is counterintuitive someone might be in their car right now screaming at the speaker going how are you going to say you're going to give the 49ers the benefit of the doubt when they spent three first round picks on Trey Lance right but i think some organizations on the whole have shown competency to where if they have time to fix something you kind of have faith that they will fix something whereas someone like Dallas you go oh yeah they they have a need here and they really need to shore this up but there's probably going to be a shiny receiver with some controversy in his past that uh, Jerry Jones is going to fall in love with for no reason whatsoever in draft or something like that. So um, I, I, I think given the time, I think, I think San Francisco has time to figure those things out. I think they know what's coming down the pike in the future and I think they can make it work. So I'm not terribly concerned. I get the concern, but when you start going down the list of guys that I would have after someone like Brock Purdy, right? If you're talking about a, a, a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, a Deshaun Watson, even an Anthony Richardson, given his injuries right now, uh, n- none of them have something where I can say, okay, yes, I, I do get the concern with Purdy, so I'm going to move him down in favor of these other guys. I, I just don't see it. So Purdy's firmly at 11 for me. Interesting. So you had you had Bryce Young, I think I heard, at 10, right? And mm-hmm. so like, there's these young guys that are still at the top that top 10 range that are just outside of that. And that's a Bryce Young. That's a Brock Purdy. And it's got to be a CJ Stroud too. So CJ Stroud is nine. Yeah, he's nine. So he's above Bryce Young for me. Okay. And he he can rock it up too with a little more time. You just got to see, I just want to see how he progresses, right? What does he look like by Thanksgiving? But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, he he can can shoot up this list. He's interesting, right? So we had him at 19. He's now ninth in in our grading, 22 years old. And the narrative is that he hasn't thrown an interception, but if you look, he has five turnover-worthy plays. Three of them are fumbles, which that means to me that probably two of them are interceptions that were dropped or something like that or you know whatever. The receiver made a play to make sure that it didn't get picked off. So I think that is a little bit overrated, and he only has four big-time throws. So um, four big-time throws, five turnover-worthy plays. That narrative is a little bit exaggerated but he's been super consistent, right? 75.3 grade in your first five games in the NFL is wild, especially with, you know, this receiving group that is arguably bottom five in the NFL, right? He's relying on guys like Nico Collins and um, Tank Dell to be these, these consistent receivers. And they've stepped up and they're doing a great job, but they aren't the talented guys that a lot of the other quarterbacks have, right? We talked about Bryce Young not having weapons. I think CJ Stroud's weapons are similar, um, but he's, he's rising to the occasion, 8.6 average depth of target. It's good for 11th. And then getting the ball out of his hands in 2.72 seconds is 13th best. He's doing everything well. And I think that's really exciting, but I guess I want to ask you, why do you have, like, I guess, why do you have Bryce Young still where you have him? And then how did you put Stroud so much further up than, than a guy like Purdy? It's just a talent play for me. I, I I still think Bryce Young is that guy. His situation is just horrible, and you're not going to see it this year, right? I talk about all the time. I draft rookies not for their performance during their rookie year, but two years after, right? I think that's just the and with with Bryce Young in Carolina, it might be three years after, right? It certainly is a risk that that situation is bad enough that it it can impact long term Bryce Young's prospects as you know for his career. I totally see that get it it's warranted that's the concern it's just a hedge or a bet on his overall talent because i just love the way he plays the game i think he has that feel and that knack and right now he's just playing with a very poor roster but it's just a talent play given his age and what i think his upside could be that's why he's still there but 
he could certainly move down this list if things don't improve, say, 12 months from now, if we're still kind of having the same conversation, he he could be in for a big fall. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried about his situation. I've, I've voiced that too many times on this podcast, so I won't go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I agree with your rankings, right? I think, I think Stroud is in the top 10 at this point. He has to be. He's shown the consistency. I do want to see him finish the year. But like I, when I talked about him, I said he's a bigger bodied Tua. He makes decisions quickly. He's accurate. He has a good arm. And he might not have the injury risks that a guy like Tua had. So I love that. So I'm excited to see Stroud. Uh, Young, I think at this point, he's he's moved back a few spots for me. I think, you know, Hertz is still above him. I'm inter- I think Purdy's above him. And then I'm interested to see, like, what happens when a guy like Kyler comes back, right? Like, is Kyler still above a Bryce Young? Because I think, you know, Bryce Young hasn't performed well enough for me to say, yeah, he's a top guy. Kyler has shown that he can do that. But obviously, there's a lot of personality concerns with Kyler. Situation isn't great. He might also be changing yeah. teeth. Modern Warfare 3 comes out next month. It's, it's there's a lot of <laughs> in there. Exactly, exactly. And then there's another guy, Jared Goff, who I think we need to talk about as part of this conversation. We had him at 24th, and right now he is the f- the highest scoring player in all 22. He's 29 years old, um, and he's had a very up and down career. Right, started out in LA in that in that uh, Shanahan style offense with McVay. Showed, showed a lot of growth in those first three years. Went to the Super Bowl, had an 84.3 grade, then came back down to earth with low 70 grades the following two years, and then shipped out of town to Detroit, right? And Stafford goes there, wins the Super Bowl. Everybody knows this. But, you know, in Detroit, those first couple of years for Goff weren't great. He had a 60 grade the first year, 72.4 in year two. It's all the way up to a 90 now. So we're seeing that young team start to evolve. And, you know, the weapons are there. The offensive line is doing it incredible. But Goff as well is kind of rising to the occasion. He has nine big-time throws, which is good for sixth. He has the fewest turnover-worthy plays with three. Um, His average depth of target is actually very low at 7.4, which is 27th in the league, right near where Dak is. And then he has 2.58 seconds to throw the ball, which is is eighth, which is kind of like, you know, it's good. It's not great, but but it's good. So is Goff now, like, are we, have we seen enough that Goff should be in this conversation or are we still thinking, you know, this is a one-year thing. We shouldn't really fully buy into it. Like, if you have him, great. But, like, for Dynasty, are we still thinking he's 24th? Or are we thinking he should be in that top 10 conversation? I I, I have him behind Brock Purdy at 12, just ahead of Dak. And the thing with him is I don't see him moving up beyond that because I think this is the ceiling for, for Goff. I think this is one of those situations where you have – a decent quarterback in a very good situation, great offensive line, very strong running game, good receivers, plays indoors, divisions kind of down. I think this is what I think this is the peak for for someone like Goff. I I don't see it any higher than what it is now, but what it is now is like you mentioned with with everything you just rattled off is great for all twenty two. And if and if this is someone you have to start, um, so he's he's twelve for me, but. I don't see the upside of the guys in front of him long-term based off of what we've seen for the better part of a decade now with the ups and downs and, and what someone like LA was able to do once he left. I think it kind of shows you, Hey, there's, there's 
multiple facets in this, right? There's, there's more than one variable to this equation. It's not just player ability or capability and performance. It's also availability. It's the talent around him. It's the coaching staff and organization. I think all those other things are great. And I think Goff is good enough individually to where he can give you this type of performance, but long-term dynasty, I would have him at around 12 right now. And I like, I don't see anything else in that equation changing that allows me to move him above someone like a Brock Purdy or a CJ Stroud, or then you get into names like Hertz, Herbert, Tua, Jackson, Allen, and so forth. So he's in the top 12 for me. And I think that's about where he tops out. Yeah. I, I really like his situation in that his offense is young across the board and solid across the board, right? He has, he has Penny Sewell who is a top five tackle in the NFL and he's like 23 years old. He has, uh, uh, Sam Laporta, who looks like he's a top five tight end already as a rookie, who's going to be there for the long haul, right? He has Jamison Williams, who's coming back and can be that deep threat to open up the field. I think that was a big difference in this last week's game is you get Jamison Williams. No, his numbers aren't going to be fantastic. It reminds me a little bit of like how the Raiders used Henry Ruggs a few years ago. He's not doing great, but everything else opens up for everybody else because you have a guy taking the top off. And then you have you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, who's young and is going to be there for the long haul. You have DeAndre, uh, sorry, DeAndre Swift. You have uh, uh, Gibbs in the Might backfield. Might as well be at this point. It's freaking ridiculous. But anyway, no, yeah. they just got you have, you have Gibbs in the backfield who's going to be there for the long haul. You have the pieces for that team to be successful for a long time. There's one knock on Goff. He has no more guaranteed money. He has His, his dead cap is $5 million next year. If, if the Detroit doesn't win... Will it be because of Goff? And if it's because of Goff, did they move on and find somebody else? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I think if they don't win, I think it will be because of Goff. But I think he's gonna. I, I think it might be one of those situations which, if I'm a Lions fan, I don't want right. But it might be one of those situations where he plays well enough to where you don't want to replace him, even though they didn't win because of him, and then he kind of gets you stuck into that purgatory. I hope that's not the case um, for Detroit's sake, but that is something I could see playing out in a weird, which will create a weird dynamic. And it's something to watch, I think, post Thanksgiving onward um, because everything else around them right now, yes, the defense isn't fantastic on the back end, but it's gotten a lot better. We talked about Aiden Hutchinson, maybe not being a superstar, I think a week or two ago, but being a star, he might actually be a superstar. So I mm -hmm. think the pieces are really coming together there. And it is one of those deals where if they don't win big, it, it it's one of two things. It's either the secondary or Goff is the way I see it. Um, and then it's just a matter of, do they have what it takes as an organization, if it is because of Goff, to make that move at quarterback and look elsewhere? Because that is, a lot of organizations just don't have the stomach for that. Sure. And like, you look at what's available this offseason from a free agency standpoint, it's Kirk Cousins, right? It's, it's not somebody that you're going to replace Goff for, especially because I think it's probably debatable who's the better quarterback between the two of them. Um, I got Kirk and, all day, but you okay. You have Kirk all day. Uh, yeah. But like, I think it's debatable, right? It's not like this clear, this clear upgrade going from Goff to Kirk. What I think would be interesting and what I would love to see happen is Detroit says we have everything we need for this team to be successful for the long haul. Oh gosh. Don't say it. It's like, so they're not going to do that. But, hey, like we're, we talked about the, the 49ers trading three first round picks to go get their quarterback if, if the Lions were to do that, what's the weakness, right? If they go get Caleb Williams, what's the weakness? 
the secondary, I guess. I mean, I, I get it, but they're not, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. It's, it's just, we'll it's not going to happen. It's too much fun. It's not going to happen. I think we need it's, to, like, like you said, I think we need to see how the rest of the year plays out for Goff. It's amazing that he's doing what he's doing right now. I need to see him do that for an entire season with this offense. In my opinion, this is the best situation in football besides the Eagles. I think this is it. Uh, maybe the 49ers as well, those two teams, and then it's the Lions, right? I think that situation is Agreed. is is right there. So Goff needs to do it, and they don't have anything promised to him that they have to keep him there. So I think he needs to do it to, to earn that spot for next year. But okay, we'll wait and see. I won't jump the gun. Is there any other quarterbacks you wanted to talk about before we end things? Yeah, I think we touched on a lot. I think I think really just um, Anthony Richardson, you have to stay healthy. You got to stop taking hits. We, we, he left like three games earlier in the year. And then obviously he's going to injured reserve with this latest shoulder injury. Nothing else matters. He just has to stay healthy and stop taking hits. And then I'll just leave you with one other thing. Not sure what it means, but one other metric just to chew on before we head out of here. Top three time to throw uh, in the league, Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, followed by Russell Wilson, Zach Wilson, and Pat Mahomes. What's the pattern there? Who has a good offensive line from that group? Just leave you with that. Interesting. All right, everyone, chew on that, and uh, we'll be back. I think there's a lot more conversations we need to have around this and as the season continues, so we'll keep this conversation going, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF, and leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcast. Thanks again. Chiefs are going to win tonight. Yeah.